You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's definitely going to be different not having those matchups that you would expect every year. Because the NHL drafts like 17-year-olds, the NHL has to tread the water really carefully. Like, they don't even have a goalie. Like, what is, what is the draw? But going into this year because of the Seattle Kraken's expansion draft. But, Where is this going? Oh so, no, so listen, I hear me out. It's going somewhere. It's, it's just not part of hockey. Like, really looks like that weird dad I don't want me to pick up from school. Like, Welcome to Slapshot Sweethearts. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slapshot Sweethearts. I am Megan. That is Shannon. You know where you're at. And today we have an amazing guest, Metropolitan Rivers, Riveters, Captain Madison Packer. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, so excited to have you. So I guess let's start from the beginning. How did you get into hockey? It's been a long road. Yeah. <laughs> so I started playing when I was about three. I've got an older brother and a younger brother. My older brother went to the rink and played hockey all the time, so I wanted to do what he did when his friends were over. They'd play mini sticks. So my dad put me on skates when I was about three, and I've been playing ever since. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I read all about your, your background with the big 10 and you know, all your accomplishments in Wisconsin. It's incredible what you guys were able to do after your knee reconstruction surgery. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your championship after all that? I'm assuming it was a pretty rough rehab. Yeah, that was tough. I, I blew my knee out going into my freshman year. It was really the first time I had had any kind of major injury. So it's obviously disappointing because you're. Go I'm already going into a new environment where most of the players are better than me and trying to earn a spot, and now I'm hurt. But we had a great team of, of doctors and PT people who rehabbed me up at uh, up in Madison, and I only missed a couple games. We won the championship my freshman season, and it's hard not to win games when you look at some of the names that were on the, that roster that year. It was fun. We were a really talented team. Uh, Wisconsin, in my opinion, has always had a pretty good program, so they've won a few more since since I left, but we were able to get one done when I was there. 
Yeah. Has that reconstructive surgery ever been something that you continued to struggle with, or has it really been something since you were young that, you know, you've been able to get over? My knee's been pretty good. I had it cleaned up once, but it wasn't, haven't really had any issues since I had the surgery. I've, I had labrum surgery two seasons ago uh, in the NWHL, but it's a different uh, injury. Totally. Big 10 though, <laughs> where it's at. <laughs> so you were one of the first NWHL players. You were in that inaugural season. Like what was it kind of like just watching this league come together for you guys as like the start of something new for women in hockey? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I graduated from Wisconsin, moved back home to Michigan, didn't, you know, wasn't on the national team, didn't really have anywhere to go and play. And there were rumors of this professional league that was coming about. So I signed up online, like <laughs> signed up. They happened to have an open tryout in uh, Windsor, which is right across the border from Detroit. So it just was like luck of the draw that I was able to make that work. And I went in and skated and <laughs> like no disrespect to the other people who participated that day, but uh, it wasn't, it, I was confused. Like it couldn't possibly be professional hockey. I think I was the only person that had played any kind of competitive hockey that was at the tryout. And I overheard Danny Ryland was there. I overheard her. She was at the time was the GM of the Riveters. She was talking to somebody about how they were going to have the, the second round of skates out in New York after Beantown, like all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can't take work time off work to go like for all these skates that are, are for a maybe. I got introduced to Danny and she offered me a contract that day. So I went home to my parents and I was like, let's, I mean, it's, let's see what can happen. And so I packed up my car and moved to New Jersey with the intent of playing hockey for a season or two. And now I have a mortgage in Connecticut. <laughs> but New Jersey, I'm in Jersey. I grew up here. I love Jersey. If you can get it's, my wife to move that's back. That's something to I rarely hear. So. Oh my God. Well, Danny, you're such a hater. I like it's it's more I, I lived in uh, Park Ridge so okay. it was kind of like the Midwest like the trees and space and no public transit yeah except for a far off NJ transit train yeah <laughs> yeah I mean that's how it was for me in Massachusetts so I totally understand I just love to you know make fun of New Jersey as a lot of America does so <laughs> the point of contention on the show I mean since you mentioned it obviously it's been a little different since the beginning of the NWHL but some teams still do open tryouts I don't know if the Riveters do but it was something that came up when we were talking to Taylor Kersey last episode um, because the Buttes just announced that they were doing tryouts and I was kind of interested if that was something that every team still does or how available it is you know what the typical process is for recruiting yeah so I, th I think that there's a bit of a misconception that it's an open tryout you can register online and like your information comes through to the league but I believe that then the, the, the general managers and the coaching staffs from each team will review every applicant that they might be interested in and then they pulled stats and data, whatever, kind of pre-scout for the for the tryout skate, and then they reach out to players and will ask them to come to their skates. The process has gotten more professional and uniform, you know, in the last couple of years as time has gone on, and, and some rosters have ha had players stay, some have had to fill more gaps here and there. But I think the draft is has been helpful uh, in some ways. The open skates, they're not as open as they used to be, which is also helpful, I think. 
So how do the open skates compare to the draft then? Do you, I'm, I generally don't know if you do you declare for the draft or do you just, you know, get reached out to, you know, how does that work in comparison? I'm not, I don't think you declare for the draft, but I could be wrong. I didn't have to go through that process. So, right. but I do know if you, the team that you're drafted to, you have to play on or there's a penalty to the club for releasing you. So for example, if I, if I had been drafted to the Buffalo Buttes, but I said, no, I, I mean, that happens, right? Some people live in Toronto, they get drafted to a different place. So for the most part, you you try to respect the player's interests. And if there's a player living in Toronto, don't draft them to Minnesota because they're not going to go and it's just going to be a headache. Right, um, you know, they have a job in a different yeah, place. Yeah, because we're not talking about, like, yeah, I mean, so there's a, but if you if you are drafted by a team and then you, and you, and you want to play for another team, the team doesn't have to release you and then you just can't play for that season. It, that has never happened. Uh, Courtney, did, she played for the Rays, drafted by Buffalo, and she wanted to play in New York. So the, the Buttes released her, and the Riveters had to pay a penalty to the Buffalo Buttes salary cap. That makes Interesting. sense. Interesting. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Cool. That's so, awesome. that's still- so I know a lot of like caveats in the league. There's kind of been some challenging ca- challenges over the last few years between financial inju- financial issues. You had injuries yourself, then COVID. Like, what's the motivation here to, like, just, like, keep forging through it all? I think season two, when when the salaries got cut, for me, that was the time to jump, right? Like, either you don't believe in this thing, the ship's going down, and get out. A lot of people did that. Or at that point, in my opinion, like, the worst thing that could have been done to us was done. We, we, you know, we got – we signed contracts for X. The money became – why and everyone ended up with Z. So I didn't think it could have, could get any worse. There, it could only go up. And I think a lot was learned in that moment. Leadership learned that there needed to be more transparency. And despite crit- criticism, I think that the, the league head office might be the most transparent head office in all of sports. I mean, they tell players things. It's why there's constantly information that gets leaked out because first and foremost is the priority. players are the priority to them. Uh, I think in some ways that can dial back because we always have information leaking out. But for now, it's a good thing. And seeing how things changed between season two and season four, I personally believe in the group of people that is moving this thing forward. I think that it's gone through a lot in the last six, seven years. But when you look at the growth, I think that our league has scaled faster than any other professional sports league ever in the in the talking about time and where we started and where we are now. So I think that that's important for people to, to recognize, right? Like everyone's talking about player salaries and benefits and all these things. Sure, that stuff is all important, but salaries can't come until we prove ourselves. And, you know, it's just been a lot of fun to be a part of the last six seasons. And I have had a lot of really good conversations and see where this thing's going. And uh, I'm excited to continue to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, you've been an incredible leader for the team. I believe that you lead the league in all-time penalty minutes. <laughs> so um, was that something that when you – obviously, every player has a different style, right? So is that something that could just kind of naturally came about? You know, you were always 
playing that style of play or did you kind of get into the league and brand yourself as an enforcer? Obviously the NWHL has different rules than the NHL. There's less hitting, things like that. So you kind of have to adapt your play, right? Was that something that you naturally just kind of came into or was it something that you, you sort of chose that that was the role you were going to take, you know, as a leader, you kind of choose a role as a player, you have to choose a role too, right? Yeah. I think for me, I've always been able to score goals and I've always been able to make plays and move the puck, but I've also always been, not a fighter because we don't really fight, but I've always, I, I don't ever back away from a fight, whether it's on social media, which always gets me in trouble. Or <laughs> when someone runs into me or a teammate, I, I typically fight back. But that started when I was a kid. I was almost always the only girl in any rink we went to. My mom used to braid my hair in the car and, and tuck it into my jacket or whatever I was wearing. And we would turn my jerseys back to back to face each other so you couldn't see the number of the nameplate because kids used to come after me all the time. And I remember I got hit really hard one game. I went back to the bench and I wanted to leave or it was between periods or something. And my dad came over to me and he said, he said, you have to go back out and you, you have to put your head down and hit the kid as hard as you can. Because if, if you don't stand up for yourself now, they're going to know that they can come after you and they're just going to take liberties and it'll be all downhill from there. So so that was kind of when I learned that don't back down from a bully, basically. And it just kind of from there, I, you know, I was always when I played boys, I was always hitting people. And when I switched to girls, it, it I didn't transition the way that I played. And so I still I mean, I've kind of dialed it back a little bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't have played a lot in college if I took as many penalty minutes as I did in high school. But um, right. Yeah, I've, it's always been a part of the way I play. I think it makes me hard to play against. And I think that every team needs somebody that's going to do that. So, I mean, that's the other part of it is there's only so many people on a bench that, that are going to go in and win those fights for you. So, I've always been partial to the enforcer players. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so let's talk about your career. Multiple time all-star, cup champion, clothing line what owner designer now <laughs> like of all these things that have happened like what is your greatest accomplishment to come out of playing for this league well my answer is cliche but i would because i would say meeting my wife i hope she's in the room <laughs> watching me in the patio yeah, I think, I mean, that's obviously number one. I, I wouldn't know Anya if not for the NWHL. I retired after the second season, and she was the head of the PA, and I had to call her because I wanted to come back. And that's how we met, and now we're married and we have a son. So that would probably be my biggest win. But other than that, I think just being a part of all of it. You know, I never, if you would have told me seven years ago or six years ago, when I decided to move to go play in Brooklyn, that this is where we would be at, I would have thought you were crazy. You know, I just didn't, I think part of it is because of Anya and her role with the PA that I have gotten some more attention and clout, but also my career with the Riveters just been, the New York market is, is amazing. And we've had a lot of really good opportunities. And so, you know, we go places and people are like Madison Packer, like little kids who are sports fans, little boys and little girls. And it's, so that's been really cool. I mean, that's something that I never thought would ever happen my whole life. I went home last summer with my mom. We were out at some outdoor restaurant and this kid played for, for Little Caesars, which is who I grew up playing for. She was probably 13 or 14 years old and came up to us at the table and was like, are you Madison Packer? You used to play for Little Caesars. Like, so to know that there are kids who have, have been impacted by my story and my journey and have, have watched it kind of all come to fruition, 
I think that that's important. I think that it's important to have role models who are touchable and, and, and real and they're human. And I think that that's a great thing about our league because while there's notoriety and recognition, none of us are at the top of that scale where fandom is insane, right? Like a Carly Lloyd or some of those U.S. women national team players on the, on the soccer side. And hopefully one day, yeah, hopefully one day it gets there. But the important part of, of this for me is that kids see that it can be done and that if I can get to here, then they can get to there, right? Like you just touched on. And I think that that's pretty cool. You know, what's really interesting is that every uh, NWHL player we've spoken to has had the same variation on that answer. So it's really, it's really awesome to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. I think that I said it before, everyone talks about the money, but I, I get, I make more money playing hockey than I ever thought I would. And, you know, I hope that the same is true for the next generation of players who replace me. It's about building something and getting people interested and proving that as female athletes, we can compete and we have a good product and, and people care about it. That's the important part right now because everything else will come once we can make those strides. Absolutely. So in terms of this year, you guys obviously had a shift in acknowledgement and excitement because of Lake Placid and the bubble and all of that. What Obviously, you got to experience a lot of it firsthand because Anya was doing a lot of the planning and all of that. But as a player, what was that like? on the ice, getting to Lake Placid and everything. Obviously the Riveters had everything cut a little bit short, but for that brief period you guys were there, there was a ton of momentum. So, you know, what was that like? It was incredible. I I think that no one really knew what to expect. We're going into a bubble. I mean, mind you, embarrassingly, when the first sports league, I can't remember who it was, I think the NBA announced they were doing a bubble season. And like in my head, or I guess the, the women's, the, the National Women's Soccer League was the first to do it. Right. I don't remember. But whoever it was, I was reading something. And in my head, I was like, they're going to play in a bubble. Like, that's got to be a huge bubble. You're picturing bubble boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> but I'm like, my mom used to play tennis in a dome. I was like, how are they going to make one that big, though? That's what I picture in Disney World about the NBA. So I know that's how yeah. it was. But... I'm like, how are they going like, to put all that into a bubble? Um <laughs> So, but yeah, seeing my wife take part in a lot of the planning was pretty cool because she wants them to be a surprise for me too. But I could overhear some of her conversations, whatever, and I had this image in my head and we walked in and they did an incredible job. I mean, the, the, the rink and everything was phenomenal. And when we went to our hotel rooms, we all had our own hotel room. And like, I went to Wisconsin where we got completely pampered from the time we walked in the door to the time we left, like insanity. When I went into my hotel room, like, we got these like goodie bags when we walked in. There was just all this crazy stuff. I laid it all out. And I I got like a little bit emotional because I was, I knew that Anya had participated in a lot of these sponsorship calls and I knew how much work went into getting that stuff. But I also knew for the first time in my time with the NWHL, there was all that stuff in front of me. Like all of these different companies who believed in us enough to give us money and give these things to like reward us or whatever. And it was the coolest thing I had ever experienced. I mean, I had never had just that much like swag from all these different companies. And it was really cool to me because I knew where we started, where, I mean, we were paying equipment companies to give us stuff. And now we're here where all these other companies are paying us for what we're doing. It was, it was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Which once you guys got there, you only really got to play three games before having to pull out. Did you, 
was it sudden or was it like you guys kind of like during the play, you kind of like felt like, okay, we're getting to a point. I don't know how much longer we could do this. Like, what was that kind of like timing dynamic like from like the player perspective? What do you mean? Like, like, can't you, like after game two, were you like, okay, guys, I don't know, like how many more people will have to keep going? Like, was it like a build up to having to like pull out or was it kind of just? No, that it, it was right in the middle of the game. We had no idea. So we were playing the game that we were playing. The last game we played, I think we played three games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were the last game we played. We were playing Minnesota. We had a player get pulled from the bench in the middle of the game, and then we had an, an, another player or two and our coach pulled after that period, and then the rest of the team finished the game. Mm -hmm. And then we went. Everyone went back to their hotel rooms. Everyone retested, and then our whole team was pulled after that. So it wasn't like this, like. Lingering like thing, it was all happened like that, and then it was that was it. Damn, that must that I mean that must have been like kind of gut wrenching. Like you're finding this bubble after having last season cut short, like having to come back, and you're finally there, and then it's just like, well, now we're done. Like that must have been so hard. Yeah, yeah. I uh, it's already hard. Like once you get over the first day or two of excitement of being in the bubble, it's a lot. I mean, even with seeing people and and being at the ring playing games and things, you spend a lot of time in your room by yourself. Right. And, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine what some of these other people have gone through when they're gone for a super long time and you spend all that time by yourself. Like, it's just, in, after, like I said, after the first couple of days, it kind of washes off. And then it's like, oh, how, like, really? But so then to find out that we're going to, you know, we all have to, regardless of the players that tested positive or didn't, everyone had to be, isolated by themselves for 14 days so to have that opportunity you're, everyone's excited about being on NBC sports you know I was I had some individual opportunities that were supposed to happen that now didn't and it's just like getting kicked in the gut repeatedly and you in there's a sm like small sliver of hope that maybe the tests are wrong so we all went to bed and we're like there's no way like it's going to be fine this has to be a fluke you know it's this can't be real life. And then we wake up in the morning and it's no, yeah, this is over. And you guys are all <laughs> done. No more hockey. And you're now you have to quarantine for two weeks. So it was, you know, luckily everyone was healthy. That's the first thing, you know, I was fortunate to be healthy and everyone that I love and care about was healthy, but from a experience standpoint, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And I mean, not to keep the gut wrenching going, but, <laughs> but then we go to Boston and obviously the Riveters weren't able to participate because they had to pull out early. And obviously you were there. I saw your incredible costume on I caught it. television. I didn't even recognize you at first. However, it had to be an emotional experience for you seeing, you know, other teams playing and you, the captain of the Riveters, not able to bring your team out onto the ice for that experience. Yeah, it was hard. I think, I am very proud of our group for the way that we handled it. I think that oh, yeah. um, there is some bitterness there because it doesn't seem to add up, but um, that's what I'll say on that. From a <laughs> league experience standpoint, you're happy for everyone else that got to experience it. You know, for the other four teams, they worked as hard as we did to get to that moment. Uh, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't anyone's fault that it ended the way that it did in Lake Placid, but it's fortunate to see other people still get to have that opportunity because at the, the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about the moments. Uh, you know, yeah. I have been vocal when the PWHPA gets on television or, or whatever it might be. We're happy for those moments. Anytime women's hockey in any form is 
out there and on TV. You're happy for the people that are getting to have those experiences because it's moving the sport forward. So I'm not going to say I was happy to see the Pride win, but I was happy to see the games on national television. And uh, I was grateful and blessed to be able to participate in the way that I was. It's a fair balance. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So yeah. what are you looking forward to most next season? Are we excited to get back on the ice, maybe have a normal season, hopefully? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for a normal season. I was texting one of my teammates, Bertie, uh, and I said, I miss just like the change room, like changing to go <laughs> from the shower. Like it's such a stupid thing. But like, I didn't think when we played that game in Minnesota, however long ago it was, I would never like have a change room combo with my teammates for over a year. Like there's just things like that, that are like, truly, I'm just excited for a normal season again, to be able to talk between periods with a, with a line mate, to be able to go grab beers with your teammates after the game. Like there was none of that. And, and the camaraderie aspect is so important to success on the ice. So excited to have a little bit of normalcy resume. For sure. I mean, hey, I'll be back in New York by the time the season starts. You'll be there. I'm going to pull the game. I can't wait for this. I, once again, thank you so much for sitting down with us. It was such a great honor to get to talk to you today. Yeah, anytime. Thank you guys for having me. This was fun. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Well, guys, this is Slapshot Sweethearts. You know where to find us. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. And we'll catch everyone next time. Thank you, Madison Packer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.